Hi, John. Hi, Sam. Why are we here, Sam? Hello, we are here to talk about cults today. When did you first hear about a cult or start being interested in cults? I was not prepared for this question. <laughs> I was just, just for this specific cult that I will be talking to you about later on. How about you, John? When did you first get interested in cults? I don't know. I suppose the first going to be one of the famous ones that will be one of the first ones that I've heard of, like Jonestown or something, Yeah. where it just is one of those stories that comes along and you go, how? How do people get to that place? And that is why we're here. And that is why we're here. We should say our title, we should say the name of us. <laughs> we we haven't that said that yet. So we are Coffee and Cults. We are sitting in John's living room, drinking coffee, and now we will talk about and it's probably a good idea uh, if we start off uh, thinking about what we mean by cults. So, John, tell me what it means to be a cult. So, this is one of those things that has uh, a few different definitions. And when we talk about cults or sects, obviously we're talking about... <laughs> so, John, tell me what we mean by cults. So... There are lots of definitions for this, so I'm going to tread slightly carefully and then I'm going to give you a few different ideas of what we might mean. Uh, we're talking about religious groups or religious movements that have groups of followers. And there's sort of controversy about how you decide what a cult might be. Sometimes people might call any new or slightly strange religion or spirituality um, a cult. And so lots of people start to use the phrase new religious movement now to sort of distinguish the difference. Uh, but particularly, we're looking at cults as real fringe religious groups that have certain sort of harmful characteristics, I guess. So to help me with this, I've done research and everything, Sam. You like so uh, I've got a few cult definitions to show the difference between a new religious movement, so something that's just a new religion, uh, and what we might call a cult. Uh, so this comes from uh, psychiatrist uh, Robert J. Lifton, who once taught at Harvard Medical School. And he wrote some papers about cults in the 1980s. And here are his three descriptors for what makes a cult. So as we come back through this episode and future episodes, we'll try and match the groups we talk about to these three characters, maybe. One, a charismatic leader who increasingly becomes an object of worship as the general principles that may have originally sustained the group lose power. That is a living leader who has no meaningful accountability and becomes a single most defining element of the group and its source of power and authority. So, charismatic leader? One. One. Two, a process of indoctrination or education, coercive persuasion or thought reform, sometimes called brainwashing. Great. Well, not great, but you know what I mean. Great. <laughs> <laughs> We're very pro that here on this podcast. No! <laughs> <laughs> We have a charismatic leader in the form of Sam. <laughs> I'm coercively educating you now. Cut all of this. The culmination of this process can be seen by members of the group often doing things that are not in their own best interest, but in the best interest of the group and its leader. And three, economic, sexual and other exploitation. I'm going to say that again because I just said exploitation in a really weird way. Three. Economic, sexual, and other exploitation of group has to do with it again. Why can't I say that word normally? Exploitation. Yeah. I'll, I'm just going to point to you at that point, that and you're yeah. going to say that okay. word in the sentence. Okay. Three. Economic, sexual, and other exploitation of group members by the leader before. and the ruling group. Excellent. And then also, um, I was reading this article about the telltale cell, uh, signs for. Uh, Cults by Rick Ross at The Guardian. Um, and I've got 10 warning signs for you, Sam, <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Uh, of a potentially unsafe group or leader. Warning sign one, absolute authoritarianism without meaningful accountability. No tolerance for questions or critical inquiry. Kind of like here. Kind of like every PE teacher I ever <laughs> had when I was growing up. Three, no meaningful financial disclosure regarding budget or expenses such as an independent audited financial statement. L look forward to the episode when we discuss the intricacies <laughs> of accounting. The, the financial statements of cults. What was yeah, Jim Jones's credit score like? All of that will be finding out over the next few I'm not years. sure it matters now. <laughs> Possibly not. 
Uh, unreasonable fear about the outside world, such as impending catastrophe, evil conspiracies and persecutions. No legitimate reason to leave. Former followers are always wrong in leaving, negative or even evil. Former members often relate the same stories of abuse and reflect a similar pattern of grievances. I was going to mention an organisation then, but they'd sue me, <laughs> possibly. <Good> so <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have to find a way to talk about them without talking about them, Sam, during this. We should find a word for them that doesn't sound like them. Yep. Kittens? Kittens. Kittens. We'll do a kittens episode the kittens coming episode. Up. Yep. Starring Tom Cruise. <laughs> you said that. I just want you to... <laughs> just to be clear, that was Sam's voice. There are records, books, news articles or broadcast reports that document the abuses of the group leader. Followers feel they can never be good enough. The group or leader is always right. The group leader is the exclusive means of knowing truth or receiving validation. No other process of discovery is really acceptable or credible. I think we should have those up on the wall as we talk. So that we <laughs> yeah, maybe. Tick them off up. each time, a bit like the psychopath checklist. There we go. That's dangerous, the psychopath checklist messed me up for a long time. Did it? Yeah, didn't it you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Mostly diagnosing the people around me. And yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. big time. <laughs> <laughs> I do like people. When I was teaching the, uh, some of the students I had in the sixth form class had a, like a riddle thing that was uh, a woman's been discovered with a stab wound, but there's no sign that she's in a sealed room and there's no sign of any knife or um, any sort of instrument that could have done that. But it's, um, there is a puddle of water in the corner of the room. How did she die? And very quickly, me and one of the other students went, Icicle. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's obvious, right? Yeah. But that was supposed to prove that you were a Just anyone who watched Bad Girls. (laughs) But yeah, it's very hard to exert authority in the classroom when young people can use that against you. (laughs) Little little, uh, teaching tip there for you. So, now we know roughly what we're talking about. Uh, Sam... I'm going to hand over to you because you've been doing our research for this week. Just as John lays down on the sofa, stretches himself out, gets nice and comfy to hear Comfort the story. Comfort and cults, that's what we should have called Comfort it. Comfort and cults. That sounds weird. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about the Order of the Solar Temple, which um, was founded in Geneva in 1984. It is also called, the, in French, the Order du Temple Solaire. And so everywhere we'll, we'll put a bit of French uh, accordion music under that sound. I'm going to call it OTS, <laughs> which is the French initials, but that just kind of speeds it up so I don't have to say the whole thing every time. It is the basic kind of, give us all your money, bring your family, don't talk to anyone who isn't me, I'm God, don't have anything that you want, and don't have any fun. That kind of general idea. Woo! So, it was founded by Joseph de Mambro and Luc Jure. It was originally named the... Sorry, I don't know how to say one of these words. Go for it, own it. <clears throat> the International Chivalric... Okay. Chival- like yeah, chivalric, that sounds right. With a C. Organisation of the Solar Tradition, which is not quite as catchy as Order of the Solar Temple. No, it sounds kind of Knights Templar... So... Ro- Rosicrucian... You are along thing. the right lines. Are, are we in um, the Da Vinci Code, Sam? Is that where this is going? I hope not. <laughs> So one of our charismatic leaders, Joe DeMambro, was a Rosicrucian. Oh, okay. Ah, there are other organisations that have been also called something like Order of the Solar Temple, and one of them was started by Jacques Breuer in 1952, and another one by Julien Origas, sorry, um, who was a right-wing political activist. Um, but the worst this, kind of activist. Exactly. The one we're talking about today is Joe DeMambro and Luc Jure's OTS. As we touched on before, there is some overlap with the Rosicrucians, with it being solar. They go for the sun god thing. Is it a sun god? Do they? Uh... I'll get to it, but one of their okay. things is preparing for the second coming of Jesus as a solar god king. Wow. Yeah? I mean, we all are. <laughs> not today. Not, Looking out the window, I mean, that today. seems further away than ever. So there were bases, um, which they called lodges, in France, Switzerland, Australia, Martinique, which is a French island in the Caribbean Sea. I googled it. Canada, Spain. Other search engines are available. Other search engines are available. Canada and Spain. I'm going to tell you about the leaders now. 
So I found a really good quote when I was researching, which is French Rosicrucian Joseph de Mambro and Belgian neo-Nazi homeopath and military Luc Jurey. Neo-Nazi <laughs> homeopath. And neo-Nazi homeopath. Wow, that's quite a business card title, isn't it? I mean, would it, you'd have to have an extra long business card. <laughs> <laughs> I no, it, you just—it it would be a homeopathic business card. So it would just have, at one point, have had the name <laughs> written on it and then rubbed out uh, yeah. like a thousand times with a rubber, but it would still be there. Exactly. So we're going to start with Lidgeray. So he was wonderful, obviously. Uh, as I said, neo-Nazi homeopath. I, 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 I wondered how soon it would be that one of us would become besotted <laughs> by one of the people we were researching, and I'm glad it's happened that soon. Just so charismatic. It, he's French. Uh, actually, he's Belgian. Oh, cool. What does he so, look like? Can I, is there, are there photos? Uh, there I can are, find... Hang on. No, it's right. You, can, you, can you stick have Google, too. Yeah. Other um, so so search engines are amazing. Should I say Bing instead? You can Bing him. No, no. who uses Bing? No <laughs> let's let's, ask let's Jeeves. <laughs> I will ask Jeeves. Sorry. Go so on. I had intended to get loads of pictures and post them on our secret Facebook group, but um, I haven't done that. So <laughs> that's fine. So Luc Jure was born in 1947 in Belgian Congo and became a religious group leader in Switzerland, where he co-founded a nationalist group with a leading member of a neo-Nazi party. Yikes. So there's that. He trained as a homeopathic physician, so he went and got a medical degree, and then he went and studied alternative medicine, which is alternative because it either doesn't work or it has been proved not to work. <laughs> there we go. You can answer those uh, complaint letters when they come in. <laughs> I will take them. So, yeah, he studied um, various forms of alternative and spiritual healing. He lectured on holistic health and the paranormal. So he'd go around all these little organisations in, like, France and Switzerland and all those funky European casual places uh, lecturing about spiritual health. And he one day he went into a place called the Golden Way and was giving a speech. And the leader of the Golden Way, Joseph de Mambro, oh... <gasps> suddenly discovered him. Do you so, think do you think there was like a, a romantic or psychotic look across a crowded room of spiritually minded people? I imagine so. With their violin strings playing at that moment. This brings us nice and smoothly, see look at my smooth transition, onto Joseph de Mamaro. So de Mamaro was born in 1924 in northern Italy. He was raised Catholic. He was raised Catholic and then in the 50s started practicing occultism. So Catholicism didn't have it all for him, apparently. Wasn't quite ritualistic enough. Not quite. Yeah. Oh, God. So he became a Rosicrucian for a bit and then founded the Golden Way, whose goal was to unite people interested in occultism. Joe Member was very into his symbolism and he had a special sword that he claimed was an authentic artifact from the Knights of the Templar given to him a thousand years ago in a past life. Wow. And he kept, he kept it. Kept it just... How, what are the legit... I'm interested in the logistics of that. If you've received a sword in the, you know... A thousand years ago. Life, mm -hmm. yeah. where, do you, where do you put that stuff that you can find it later on? I mean, you must have really good pockets. <laughs> One of those big yellow storage places. So this special sword, I'm kind of going in a little bit of a weird little circle here, but this special sword he um, would give to the members of the OTS to hold in awe during their ceremonies. Wow, okay. what you can't hear at home is the amazing little mime of Sam holding a sword in, in awe. In fact, we can really enact this, just uh, hang on a second. John is... I've just moved to the other side of the room where he is getting out a sword. What? Why do you have this sword? It's um. Is it? <laughs> it's Gandalf's uh, sword from Lord of the Rings. This is the kind of thing that just is randomly I... in our house. But um, I've just. So I'm just going to hold it in awe because I have. To. We said that we would do some enactment and get to feel what it's like to be in these organisations. So Sam is going to show us what it's like to be holding a sword in awe. That I might have to go for. We're just posing for photos now. <laughs> Uh, so that felt that felt pretty good. I'm starting to see the appeal now. Yeah. Uh, yes. Sam, holding things up in awe. Exactly. It's kind of good. How could you not feel special holding a thousand year sword? It's a bit dangerous though. Uh, I, there was so much awe that when I tried to put the sword back, I nearly uh, broke the lava lamp. Um, You're getting a really weird image of my living room now that you know there's Gandalf's sword and lava lamp in it. 
It's fine. I own it. Just roll with it. Um, okay. So when uh, Dear Mambro was so Dear Mambro was in his, you know, I didn't research this entirely properly, but um, I imagine Dear Mambro was in his hall. He just brought in this wonderful homeopathic Nazi guest lecturer to talk to his followers. And, uh, as we said, homeopathic Nazi guest lecturer. <laughs> so they they met um, and they had a chat and they were like, oh my god, you like occult stuff? I like occult stuff. Let's start a cult. What? So they decided to form the OTS because Dimambro obviously believed he was one of the Knights of the Templar in a past life, so could. Bring a lot to the party, I suppose. Awesome. Um, so, Dimambro, out of the two, was the one in charge. He was, um, like, 20 years older than Jure, so he, you know, patriarchy. He's a kind of intense-looking yeah. guy, isn't he? He's got this sort of, almost sort of dark rings around his eyes in all the pictures I can see here. Wow. Yeah, give him a Google. He's pretty spooky. Other search engines are available. <laughs> wow. Um, there's a lot of kind of, I mean... A, so I've researched this as best as I could, but there is so much to this. These guys had whole weird, crazy lives. Um, they all they were both totally up their own ass. <laughs> so Jure saw himself as the third incarnation of Jesus Christ. It's not quite clear who he thought. Yeah, who was the second? No, don't know. Don't know. Maybe Demambro. Maybe he was two and Jure was three. Because Demambro also starts talking himself as Jesus at some point. So it's kind of, I think that's probably... I don't know, some form of contention in there. Yeah, that's a bit of a fallout, isn't it, when you both think you're Jesus? You're Jesus? No, I'm Jesus. Upset some people who were members of the OTS was the fact that Jure became obsessed with sex after a little while and believed that having sex with any one of the female members of the group before a ceremony would fill him with the spiritual power he needed to conduct the ceremony. Wow. So he just, this time it's you, I can go and... And then suddenly he'd be full of spiritual power so there's that <laughs> and really ladies check check uh, google google that face check out that yeah, person you're gonna fill because... with uh, spiritual power he's, he's... so jure's this lecturer guy so his speeches for the ots focused on human health problems but also bigger more apocalyptic total earth destruction mm. things which he would he assured that his followers would be from um, some sort of natural disaster like volcanoes or tsunamis or all that kind of thing, which you know happens a lot in Switzerland. I don't really know anything about Switzerland. Maybe I I just, it's weird, isn't it, with all these cult groups that quite often they have the doomsday thing, and it's so it's so, you've got to be so that's so easily going to be disproved if you go okay in three weeks' time there's going yeah. to be a big earthquake. It's like so these guys have thought of that. Okay, okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. So um, smarter than the average cult leader. Ah, so uh, Jure, in you know him and Demambro were like, so what sort of guys do we want in our group? Who do we need? So Jure decided he wanted wealthy, influential, and attractive people, which is a shocker for a creepy guy like that. Um, and they looked for people who would be strong enough to survive the destruction of the earth. So to get these people to join, they that... con- they convinced them that they would be the sole survivors of total earth. Destruction. Wow. That is a physical <laughs> entry exam that I would fail, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a shame, because I'm just looking at the uh, dope robes that they used to wear, and I would I would look good in a white or red robe with a cross on it. I mean, I'm sure you, it is your style, after all. <laughs> Watch oh, out, John. 2018, it's, they're coming back. Robes again, John. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's the ideal outfit for any event, Sam. You and I know that. <laughs> he transitioned from daytime to evening just to change of robes. It's just, And what's great is that that's just one robe and it's like, you know, with the, like the velvet lining. So like outside, daytime, <laughs> white robes. one. And then you flip the robe around and it's like, oh, velvet evening. Ooh, <laughs> evening robes. The beliefs of the OTS. So I've, I did find this quite hard to research, but that will become all clearer later on. So their beliefs... So they've got a few like major things that they were focused on. Okay. One of them was uh, establishing correct notions of authority and power in the world. So I guess they didn't like any leaders and they thought that, I don't know, some Songo king should be leading them instead of uh, okay. people who are real. <laughs> um, to... I mean, frankly, a sun god king sounds better than 
Theresa May's leadership at the moment, so maybe they weren't all <laughs> What there. leadership? So to... Yeah, politics satire there Ooh. for your listeners. To give back to the man the consciousness of his dignity. So as I was copying these down, I was like, you know, I'll just leave that bit out because it doesn't make any sense. And then I realised that it just doesn't make any sense. So I've just <laughs> got to go for it. It's a cult. It's not based yeah, on Yeah, I wonder what that so, looks like. So, I mean, do you have the consciousness of your dignity, John, as a man? <laughs> I think we both know my dignity was shot a long time ago, so I'm aware of that. Is that what it means? I, I suppose. To part- That's like the worst uh, like gift-giving <laughs> thing, isn't it? It's like, oh... I, I got you something for your birthday. Is, is it, it a book token? Yeah, is it a book token? Is it that DVD box set I've been uh, waiting for? No, it's the consciousness of your own dignity. <laughs> um, to participate in the assumption of the earth in its three planes, body, soul and spirit. So soul and spirit are two different planes. I don't know, I'm not a spiritual person, so I would, I would have... I don't know why they're different. Why are soul and spirit different? John! Is... I don't, I don't, so I do know a little bit about weird <laughs> ideas like that. I can only guess that maybe it's, it's like the difference between your soul, which is you and, so you have like your body with you in it, your soul, which is the spiritual part of yourself that's in your body. And then spirit might be like yourself connected to the bigger spiritual plane, maybe. Great. If not, okay. I'm going to start my own cult with that. Uh, maybe. I'm, I can't overstate how good I would look in these robes. So. <laughs> Be an extra episode for us as well. Surprise, John started a cult! <laughs> That's the season finale, there you go. <laughs> so more more uh, beliefs from them. Helping humanity through a transition to prepare for the second coming of Christ as a solar god king. Sometimes, I think, you know, like, so, uh, it's, no, it's going to be no secret that we sort of work in the arts. Sometimes people have lots of different titles when you ask them what they do, their actor, <laughs> writer, director, it's like, just pick one. I and mean, I'm as guilty of that as anyone, but Sun God King? Come on, just, you know, you're either the burning source of energy at the centre of the solar system, or you're the creator being in charge of everything, or you're the, just be one thing. You pick know. one. And this was, I don't know why, but I found this one of the weirdest because i guess because it's actually based in the world is that they wanted to further a convergence of all christian churches and islam so they felt like all of christianity and islam should join up together and make a super religion while they're running a sort of an, an occultist western mystery tradition type wow exactly that's, <laughs> that's quite an ambitious list isn't it i think that's you know i think so wow don't forget to take that makes my, of your dignity. <laughs> that makes my to-do list for today look positively unambitious. <laughs> um, I've copy and pasted this, but it was written out in the way that I needed to say it, so apologies. The temple's activities were a mix of early Christian identity, UFO religion, and New Age philosophy using variously adapted Freemason rituals. Wow. At first, they believed uh, life on Earth was ending. Oh, this bit isn't copy and paste. I wrote this bit. Wee. Um, so day-to-day was just doomsday prepping. And when they've been doing that for a little while, they started to get restless. So did they did they live together or did they have they have these lodges? So they had these lodges. They had these uh, various bases. So each lodge was run by a regional commander and three elders. And they were in charge of all the people who lived in their lodge. Okay. So... Their job was to prep for doomsday because it was coming and they were all going to survive it. So they had weapons and supplies and tinned goods, I expect, for the inevitable. It's like when it's the third week and the apocalypse hasn't come. It's like, we've got enough tinned peaches, Sam. Would you just... <laughs> just one more tin. Can't, can't we collect stamps for a bit or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> Back to the canned goods. We will need efficient postage in the apocalypse. <laughs> Yeah, so the world hadn't ended, and they were all sitting around in their, in their bunkers. Oh, what do we do? The world's not ended. And then the leaders suddenly were, you know, overcome by these visions from God that told them, actually, life on Earth was an illusion. And all the members had to do was shed their earthly bodies to be reborn. Uh-oh. red flag. Oh, uh, yeah. Reborn on a planet orbiting the star Sirius. So the dog star, they thought they'd go dog. <laughs> Sorry for that. You can't be serious. Oh. Well, Harry Potter jokes coming up. So they called this the transit or the transition, 
and de Mumbo never explained what the transportation was. He never like how other cults have had like um, you know we're gonna all kill ourselves and then land on the comet and then we'll go to this place. So when, when was this? Did you say this was the late eighties then? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So he would when he was asked about this transition, he would just say it was returning to the father in a public statement. One member said that it was conceived as a change in consciousness, and it was this change that was needed in order to prepare for transfer to another universe. So they're all kind of crossing over each other. Some of them are going to other universes, some of them are just going to the dog star. Who knows? They're just kind of, they're going to transition somewhere. Priority booking to get to the dog star, <laughs> otherwise you're just in another universe. So um, at its peak in 1989, OTS had 442 members. Over all those various different... Okay. So it was, that's fairly big. I'd say yeah. there's a lot of people. So its top 33 members were in a secret group called the Synarchy of the Temple, or Elder Brothers of the Rosy Cross, like the Rosicrucians. No no women in that mm. inner circle, then. I mean, I highly doubt it, because, you know, they were just objects to fill Jure with sexual power before his speeches. So I guess they were really good at doomsday prep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So um, its yep. headquarters was in Zurich. So when you join the cult, hello John, welcome to OTS. You are now a member hello. of. Hello. <laughs> <No>, Shall <laughs> I not Geneva. be? Yeah. That... <laughs> Maybe just stick with John. Oh, I, I, I'm interested in your cult. <laughs> well, I, can't, I can't set this president now because other countries that might not be so fun for me to try and do the voice. So I'm going to drop that in. Let's leave that one. <clears throat> um, <laughs> Hello, John. So you've just joined... Happy to be here. You've just joined the OTS, and you're now in the Brothers of Parvis. Or the Amanta Club. So your role now is to spread the message of this fantastic organisation you've just joined to new people. Okay. So your job is to recruit, then after a little while, when you're selected by someone else, you get to ascend to the Knights of the Alliance, or the Arcada Club. So these are all things that I found with different names. Oh, okay. The same levels. The Arcada Club. The Sounds Ar like a club Ar I want to get into. Arcadia. A-R-C-H-E-D-I-A. Yeah, sounds right. Sounds right to me. One of those. Where you're allowed to know some more of the secrets. If you know how to pronounce it, that's how you get in, I reckon. I think so, probably. Um, well, kind of. Uh, you're allowed to know some more of the secrets of the cult, and you're told you're getting closer to higher consciousness, but you're not exactly sure what that is yet. But you know you're on the right path. Um, and so to get into that, you've been hand-selected by one of your elders who runs your lodge. And so in between these, these there are three sections, there is an initiation phase. So there are some cool fancy rituals, which I can tell you a little bit about later on. Awesome. So you wear your special robes. I know you're excited about the special robes, John. Well, I don't know. I've got two types of picture up here. So mostly in these pictures, they're like white, long, so like, like crusader robes less, almost. Yeah. With a red cross? Red cross, white, I don't know, shift dress style ropes. Can we do it that way? You know yes. What I mean? yeah. yeah, so you, you pop your special robes on and you go down to the altar and then you bring expensive presents for your leaders. So you bring Obviously. a gift for Demambro, your jure, and you bring gifts for your regional commander and the elders, and these have to be expensive. And of course, you bring your initiation money. So that's just a small price to pay for this spiritual it's quite enlightenment. quite a sign-up fee, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, so after you've been in the Arcadia Club for a little while, you get to join the Brothers of the Ancient Times, or the International Knighthood Organisation. So these are really highly guarded. I couldn't find much about this at all, but this is where you get to be in all the secret rituals. So I've got this section here called Widget. Which was where I found <laughs> everything else. That is going to be a regular feature on this podcast. The weird shit da, section. Da, 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 weird shit. Can so, I just say, can I interrupt for a second? Of just because I'm, I, I, so I've got like visual accompaniment. I've just googled. I'm not sure I could uh, put up with this cult for too long, just because the decor. <laughs> of the, uh, yeah, of the ritual rooms. It's like red, bright red floor, bright red ceiling, bright red walls. Yeah, and you'll find artifacts of the Knights Templar dotted around the place. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a real headache. <laughs> it really, really does. You mean a cult wouldn't be comfortable, John? I just, you know, just, there's nothing wrong with a nice pastel. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bit, yeah. 
rest of it sounded all right. Just had a problem with the casting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Reverend Jim Jones. I'd love to stay, but that wallpaper is just too <laughs> offensive. Sorry, continue. No, that is quite all right. So the um, the members paid high fees to join, and it said that there were um, a large number of fancy European higher up members of this group. So there were mayors, lawyers, doctors. And, and do we know that's true? That's true, that? yeah. Um, there was a member of the cult was interviewed saying that an, a female doctor had recruited him into it, just casually slipped in, I don't know, cough, and have you ever thought about joining a cult? I don't know how you slip that into a conversation, but... Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's a hard... Yeah, it's a difficult pitch, isn't it? Yeah. Especially when they're so... Again, that sort of focus on one thing thing. It's like, okay, and Jesus is coming back, and the world is going to end, and he's going to be a solar god king, and, and you have I'm to wear Jesus, your robe, and, and yeah. your reincarnation, and there's a UFO that's going to come. Yeah, wow. Quite a lot to keep track of, isn't there? It's a really awkward medical exam. <laughs> you know how that whole bitch is going <laughs> At what point do you stop trusting the doctor? When that... um, they had a, a famous member who was famous in Switzerland in the 80s. And his name what was... What I'd give to be famous in Switzerland in the 80s. What would you give, John? <laughs> Almost anything. So. Almost anything. So their famous member was a man called, sorry for this pronunciation, Michael Tabachnik. T-A-B-A-C-H-N-I-K. Tabachnik? Yeah. Yeah. Um, who was a composer and a musician. And eventually he testified against the group for some bad things that I will tell you about later. There's a lot of suspense happening in this. I hope you're enjoying Stay it. Stay tuned, listeners. <laughs> so, Don't um, touch that dial. I found the information about him on Bizarrepedia because he's used Google's right to be forgotten to erase his links with this. Oh, really? Account. So if you Google Michael Tabachnik um, and OTS, you will not find anything except this Bizarrepedia article, wow. obviously. So, you know, they're going on, they're holding up swords in awe, they're doing all these ceremonies, Dimambro's family are all involved, he's got a son and daughter, and then his son, Eli, had a little look at what was going on, and he thought, hang on a minute, that sword's made of plastic, and your spiritual visions are actually just holograms that you're setting up with literal smoke and mirrors. What? So he was sitting there going, I'm getting a divine message from God. And he was putting out all these videos that his followers were watching with these lights coming and all these special effects. Do, do those exist? I, I couldn't you find couldn't them, find but them. I'm sure they do. Wow. Um, because a little bit later on, he sent videos out to loads of people. All this stuff. So he was getting these these spiritual divine messages and holograms, and then he was, and then kind of his son was like, "Hang on, I'm I'm literally the one moving the mirror to make this this hologram happen. I can't believe in you because I am helping you deceive these people." So his son. That's amazing. Maybe isn't the right word. That's bonkers. Yeah. It's like all that sort of physical mediumship stuff at the end of the Victorian age, where it's a you know paper mache head on a string that's being swung around in the dark is the exactly the ghost so wow. these literal smoke and mirrors um hologram special effects little poppy fiery things can, um, can we just hear that that sound again great thank you i'm sure that sounds I'm in, absolutely I'm lovely I'm, con I'm convinced great. enjoying on the, that sound so eli decides to leave he leaves the group so when your charismatic leader's son goes, I don't believe in this anymore, everyone else kind of looks around at each other. How old was he? You don't know. I don't know. Don't ask me that. Hey, cut that out. He was, I assume, fairly young. Okay. Uh, late 20s, early... No, why am I saying that? I'm making it up. So anyway, it was his son. And so this was a massive blow to DeMambro's credibility. And it prompted about 15 other people to leave. So he was really upset about that. DeMambro on this became really authoritarian. He was suspicious of competitors. He was paranoid. He started to lash out at anyone who criticised him. And he was writing letters and there were conversations between him and uh, Jure talking about how he planned to harm anybody who, or to punish anybody who harmed the organisation. Ex-members were seen as enemies, uh, people who needed to be punished. There we go, back to our checklist of cult characteristics. Cha-ching! So in 1993, in Quebec, we moved over to Quebec. Hi, Quebec. 
How are you? Hello, sir. Oh, just go for Canadian. Uh, Why would you go French? <laughs> Why would you go French? You can't. A boot. I can't. A boot. That's why. I was going to be French Canadian. Um, so their provincial police was were investigating the threat of an unknown terrorist group when they were suddenly informed about the OTS. When they found out that an OTS member had tried to purchase three guns equipped with silencers. Because if you're just preparing for the apocalypse, you're not going to be worried about the, you know, the apocalypse is going to be a noisy place. You don't need a silencer during the end time. It's like, yeah, exactly. You're not suspicious. So the uh, the police decided to investigate these groups' activities. They I'm, the problem I have now is that I'm picturing Mounties in their bright red uniforms in those bright red <laughs> rooms of the uh, it's just it's a, the a ultimate camouflage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they did their undercover work. They could just stand at the edge of the ritual room, <laughs> painting their faces right anyway. <laughs> The, the police started uh, tapping the telephone conversations of these group members and it suspected the OTS of being the people to organise these terrorist attacks. But they were found not to, but the police knew that they were a bit weird and they kind of kept an eye out. So for this, for these trying to purchase these guns, Jure and two other members of the OTS were sentenced to one year probation and had to pay a £1,000 fine for the possession of these guns. £1,000 fine? Not a big deal. No. Not a big deal when you're a cult leader. Because Jure and... Not when you've got hologram money. Exactly. Smoke and mirrors. War. Um, so Jure and Demambro were, you know, collecting all these fees from people and bought themselves nice houses. A couple of nice houses. Were they maybe. still in, did you say, Switzerland at this point? Uh, so Demambro's in Switzerland, Jure's in Canada. Okay. Um, but they travel around their various bases. There's also there's also something I haven't got it in my notes, but I remember reading about it about how uh, Demambro and his wife. So Demambro and his wife were trying to get back into Canada. They were trying to renew their visa to go back into Canada, but his wife's passport wouldn't renew or something okay. um, because the police knew that they were sending large amounts of money to Australia, which is where they had more lodges. So they were. Under suspicions. Wow. Um, oh, that, sp- that spread far then, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, it just it just shows how many people are really wanting to grab onto something to follow, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess so. And I, yeah, you can sort of see the the appeal of some of it, I guess. But it's the kind of elite. I'm a knight of. Oh, what was it? I'm a brother of Parvis, and I'm in this crew, and you know yeah. I've got brothers in Canada, and I've got brothers in Switzerland. That kind of idea of community, yeah. I suppose. And it sounds like one of the, you know, with some of the groups, I'm sure we'll talk about it. Sounds like they sort of start off full cult, you know, checklist ticked. Yeah. But this one seems to be sort of like creeping year on year, more and more. Yeah, it kind of it kind of spread into into what it became. After all this happened, Eli's left, Demambro's angry at everybody. This is where it gets rough, and not nice rough. Okay. Bad rough. Trigger warning for sad things, I guess. Um, so uh, there was a member called Tony mm, Tony Dutois. I keep spelling out these names. D- we'll give you an English uh, cult next time. D-U-T-O-I-T. Dutois? Yeah, great. Let's go for Dutois. Sorry if it's your name and I'm saying it wrong. So he was in charge of the artefacts, which is one of the people who discovered that they were all just rip-off bits of tat that Demambro had found places and said, this is significant. Wow. And he was married to a lady called, a lady called Nikki, who was in charge of sewing the robes. So Nikki and Tony had the robes and the props all under control. That is a good job. You could do that job, Sam, with your sewing. I'm sure I could. Skill. I'm sure if you're, make a road. if you're, this is, let's monetize this podcast quickly. <laughs> if your cult is in need, sorry, if your new religious movement is in need of robes, drop us a line at our email address, and <laughs> uh, and Sam can hook you up with some sweet robes. I, I will try my best for you guys. Um, so, um, yeah, Detroit was paying all this money to this organization, and they were living under strict rules. They weren't allowed to have sex or fun or buy stuff for themselves and, you know, no worldly possessions or that sort of stuff, live in these lodges, prepare for this transition. Whereas, you know, he could see Demambro 
didn't participate in the day-to-day of the group anymore. He just swung around in his lovely homes. So he kind of kicked off and left, left the group. Took his wife and young son with him. And they went to a nice little chalet in Switzerland. To eat Toblerone. To eat Toblerone and And sing at the mountain. On the 4th of October 1995, him and his wife Nikki were found stabbed to death in their home, which had also been set on fire. Also in this home were two other members of OTS, Colette Rochat and Jerry Jeannot, um, who had been sent to kill them by Demamro. Whoa, so, so they were still there? Mm-hmm. So they'd been sent to kill these guys and then torch the house with them inside it. There you go, guys, you're off, you've done your transition. That's you. Whoa, that is some dark... Put me back on collecting cankers. I don't want to be on that. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. So you remember I said that he moved out with his uh, wife and young son? Yep. So de Toit's young son was named Christopher Emmanuel. He was three months old. He was found in this home wrapped in a plastic bag and stabbed repeatedly with a wooden stake. Yep. God. Um, so Demambro ordered these murders because he believed that Emmanuel had been born as the Antichrist to... Well, of course, that's the obvious explanation, isn't it? Exactly. So he believed that this baby's, this three-month-old baby's cause for living was to prevent Demambro from succeeding. And so was, yeah, so decided to kill this little baby. I told you it was horrible. Yeah. A few days before, so there were, I think there were some other people killed as well around the same time. There was so, there's so many different bits of information in all these different places, I couldn't quite get it all together. So a few days before these, the Dutois murders, Demambro had performed a Last Supper with 12 of their followers, where he played Jesus Christ. So that's where, you know, I, I said earlier that Jure thought he was the third incarnation of Christ, but then Demambro's playing Christ now. Besides, he's the, the new one. Yeah, I mean... Let's all have a go. Let's all be Christ. You never want to be invited anything to a dinner that's called the Last Supper, do you? That's not... It's... No. No. That's not an invitation I want to accept. 4th of October was when the Dutois family were killed. Um, I wouldn't have... The 2nd of October was when they were killed. Sorry, I got the wrong date. The 2nd of October that they were killed. They were discovered on the 4th of October. As these bodies were being discovered... Three mass suicides occurred in uh, Cherie and Salvan in Switzerland in these chalets. And there was another one in Morin Heights in Quebec. So that was um, around 45 people killed in a mass suicide. Whoa. So they knew that... Yeah, either so way... So basically, at this, at this Last Supper, de Mambro had got his, his 12, I guess his 12 lodge leaders, I'm kind of making that up, I'm assuming that's what happened, yeah. together and said, right, 4th of October, that's our transition day, you're all going to go and die in these cabins. 15 of the higher up, you know, inner circle members had committed suicide with poison and then 30 more were killed either by bullets or smothering and then other people were killed in other ways. Just, that's all I could find. So people were killed in various ways. This is still harsh, sorry. So the victims in Switzerland, some of the victims were discovered in a secret underground chapel lined with mirrors and Templar symbolism, which I think might be the pictures that you were looking at earlier. Oh, okay. Um, They were dressed in their ceremonial robes and um, they were positioned in a circle with their feet together and their heads outward, like a star. So if you imagine a circle of feet and then these... Spraying yes, out I have seen. Most of them had plastic bags tied over their heads, but they'd also all been shot in the head. So it's, you know, it's assumed that one of them went round and popped them all just to make sure that everyone was dead and did themselves and, did. and made sure that they were in their correct position in the important star. Yikes. And many of them had also been drugged. They found evidence of sedatives in their blood. So whether these were consensual suicides or murders is kind of unclear. It's believed that the... So I said they have plastic bags over their heads. It's believed that these may have been part of their ceremonial rituals before and they placed these bags on their heads to depict the disaster that would befall humanity 
after the other members had ascended. So that idea of being, you know, humanity would then be suffocated because these glorious people had ascended to Sirius. Oh, okay. So it's it's possible that these because these victims had consensually put these bags on their heads before for rituals. They did it again, and then suddenly this time and they then got it was shot sort of in escalated. Jeez. Other victims were found in uh, two other uh, ski chalets, and they grouped children into the same room. Had loads of children laying together, dead. Sorry, this is horrible. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, that's that's partly why I'm being quiet because it's just the the scale of that. Yeah, yeah. Horror. I mean, and... it's 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 nowhere nowhere near. Um, the number that was Jonestown or anything like that, but it's still a, a vast number of people in a pretty horrible way. And it, it's when you start to think about like the logistics stuff of it for me, where it's like, okay, so one person had to have the job of being the last person alive and moving everybody Setting into the, the right position. Yeah. Yeah. So there were after these, you know, after these people were found, there were notes. I wrote suicide notes, but suicide slash. Yeah. Notes, suicide under duress sort of notes explaining that they were leaving to escape the hypocrisies and oppression of this world. Dimambro's son, Eli, we remember, the guy who yep. left the cult, caused it all to blow up, was one of the dead bodies found in Switzerland. So either his leaving had been invented, had just been a rumour, for Dimambro to accelerate this uh, transition. Okay. Or he'd gone back, or he'd... Or he'd been brought back, forcibly and killed that's not clear because yeah. obviously they're all wow. dead and a slight silver lining here two more of the Didn't dead bodies found in Salvan were those of Joseph Dumambro and Luke Charest so they're gone okay they're gone they're dead fuck them yeah absolutely Jesus I, d- I don't know how much you've been paying attention to the dates here John we're in 1995 yeah um, we're in October of 1995 August of 1995 was when the events at Waco occurred. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's all in the air. I think it was August. I'm really sorry if you know more about that than me, and I've said that well, the wrong month. Well, certainly will get to that at some yeah. point. Wow. Um, so, same year, 95, we're between the 15th and 16th of December, and uh, 16 more bodies were found in the same star formation, as in Switzerland, but in the Vercors mountains of France. And at this scene, it was obvious that two of them had shot and positioned the other group members and then committed suicide by shooting themselves in the head. They weren't discovered until the 23rd of December. So they were laying in the chalet for a week. Well, I guess that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? If you're, you know, if you cut off from your family, if you're living in this, you know, remote location to do your spiritual thing, people aren't going to... No one's calling you to see where you are because they know you're you've doing some your... weird shit in France. Yeah, you've got all your stuff. You don't need to go out. Mm-hmm. That's 95, so a lot of them are dead now. On the 22nd of March 1997, 14 months later, five members of the of DS took their own lives in Quebec. So there are still others there are still alive and around others after Others alive waiting to transition, but I suppose without your charismatic leader to tell you when to go, you're kind of on your own and you're fo- You're just going to be following what they've taught you. Yeah, and doing you the day-to-day day stuff. So it was five people, there was four adults and a teenager, and three more teenagers were discovered alive but heavily drugged in a shed behind the house that was on fire. The parents of, and they were the children of one of the couples that had killed themselves. So obviously these parents had second thoughts, drugged their children and just left them in a shed rather than shooting them. I didn't do, yeah. I found a couple of numbers of totals of deaths between kind of 75 and 90. So six months before the first big mass murder-suicide in 95 was, as I said, the events of Waco. The Swiss police, after, in the investigation after the deaths, found this conversation between Demambo and Jure, where Demambo said, people have beaten us to the punch, you know, Jure. Well, yeah, Waco beat us to the punch. Demambo. In my opinion, we should have gone six months before then. What we'll do will be even more spectacular. So he was competitive with Waco. They did it. They did it first. We should have done it first. I mean, you're killing yourselves. Are you really competitive about that? Well, yeah, and especially when Waco was, you know, was sort of all, was 
yeah, sort of not quite suicide, but all guns blazing being... So I, I think yeah. that's what caused them to then, rather than just killing themselves and laying them in, in this formation, to also torch the houses to... Cause a big spectacle. Yeah. In that same way. Yeah. It, be- it becomes all about the the yeah the fame of it then, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Just before this murder suicide thing, Demambro had. So this is between Eli leaving and the suicide and the Last Supper in all around that time. Demambro wrote three hundred letters addressed to various locations around the world. So he gave one of the OTS members three hundred envelopes, all these different addresses on them. So they contained literature, a video of OTS stuff and a letter addressed to the French Minister of the Interior to explain that he held the French government responsible for any deaths that would occur. He said, we accuse you of having attempted to deliberately destroy our order for reasons of state. Mr. Pasqua, we accuse you of premeditated group murder. As a result, we have decided to leave the terrestrial plane ahead of time because we are aware of your desire to destroy the work we have accomplished. So the French government knew that this man was plotting these... So he sent that before these things sent happened? Before, sent out before. This was in, in 1994. That's the OTS. I found a... So I found a, a Vice webpage from 1994, which I found pretty harsh, but it said um, the quote about the suicides was, at least it was a bunch of wealthy, attractive Europeans. Sirius, where they plan to party post-murder spree, can have these freaks. That is very harsh, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, it's not that nice, is it? There, there is also a little bit of light to end this. <laughs> I think we need it at this point. Um, so there were rumours that Grace Kelly was a part of this group. However, Grace Kelly died in 1982, and this group was formed in 1984. So That's really unlikely. So, I mean, it, I know it's her spiritual plane, but no, probably not. In, in looking at that, that, I was literally just about to stop researching, researching and then I was like, oh, is Grace Kelly involved? And then looked at it, and then obviously she wasn't. But in that, they found a bit of information that they got. The article about Grace Kelly interviewed a, a surviving member of OTS and heard a little bit about their rituals. In the initiation, you you begin by being taken to a derobing chamber where you meet with a homeopath or an acupuncturist or whatever, and they sort you out. And then you, awesome. uh, oh, so they place needles on meridians known to give sexual pleasure. So I guess they just turn you on a little bit sexy and then send you away. Sexy acupuncture. Yeah, oh, oh, sexy That needles. is what, are you listening, Church of England? <laughs> That's what you're <laughs> missing out to get the young people back into churches. Um, so then they're given something to drink, which makes them feel drowsy. So they're probably given some sort of date rape drug or something like that. I don't know what they had in the 80s. I assume they had date rape drugs then. And then, so you're then you're dressed up in your robes, and then you're escorted down a staircase into the crypt of the priory, where you lie down on an altar and with pictures of apostles and Wagnerian music playing around you while these wow, people okay. do weird Freemason chants. And then you you're asked to agree to to pledge to this cult, and then you say yes, and then that's you. And then, and then you're, in. you're in. And then you're in. So John, you're gonna you're gonna join the OTS. <laughs> I do like lying down while Wagnerian music plays. <laughs> that is one of your hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> that's, embarrassingly, that's what I was doing when Sam arrived at my house earlier, so uh, that's a bit awkward. And I do like gazing at swords and other things in awe. Not for no, you, this one? I think it's. I think it sounds a bit full on. I just, yeah. yeah, sorry, I just can't be light about any of the really dark. <laughs> no, it's, Knowing um... where it ends up. But I mean, I, I I researched as much of this as I could, but there was so much to it. There's all this whole UFO side that I, c- I couldn't really, you know, because obviously because these massive mass suicide murders happened, a lot of the literature about the OTS is towards these suicides. Are, there any, are they still around in any way? Are there so still any active members? There are still active members. and That's the thing I always find weirdest about, mm-hmm. particularly the sort of the mass suicide groups. Yeah, but um, as they've not transitioned, I guess that they're just sticking with the doomsday prep side and then attributing it to OTS. But so there are still members in little weird enclaves in Switzerland and Canada and the Canary Islands. There was a murder-suicide that was actually caught by Spanish police and prevented from happening in Spain. Oh, really? I've just remembered that. Oh, okay, at the same time. Some of them were saved. It's odd, isn't it, that sort of the, the... 
the mix of real sort of occultic Christian kind of mythology and then all the stuff about UFOs and, and the walk-ins and channeling and the night's to- it is like a real buffet of strange and somehow this ideas. all leads to you having to give all your money to this man like uh, that's the kind of weird I can't get yeah. through in my head and do you think are they completely cynical because listening listening to the story that you've just told there are moments where it sounds like they're absolutely cynical and they're just you know creaming the money off and doing their own thing and then other moments where it sounds like they're completely so basically both of them Demember and Jurey both had their own groups before this so Demember had the golden way and Jurey had his neo-nazi homeopath organization i don't know i didn't want to look at it because it's nazis and horrible um, that is a heck of a marketing meeting to have to come up with a name for our <laughs> neo-nazi homeopathic it took us long company. enough to come up with a name for this i don't think we can handle that one too. <laughs> So I guess that they were just dickheads who really liked the sound of their own voices. They just really wanted people to follow them if they saw themselves as the incarnations of Christ that could somehow work together as two halves of Christ, I don't know, Christ-ish figures. I, th- I don't think, I don't know, I don't know these guys, I don't know. No. But at the beginning, that they couldn't have been cynical, I guess, because believing the world would end and all that, and before you started getting all these all this initiation money from people and things yeah. like that. You know, you ask for something to join, and then you, I don't know. And I suppose as well, like we were saying about the doomsday thing, once you've made predictions or you're talking about stuff like that, you've then got to sort of keep people, like keep people's interest and stuff, isn't it? It's yeah. like a hologram and smoke and mirrors. So that's stuff. where the transitioning came Is that, is that like... then becomes, you know, okay, we need to, what's the next thing going to be? Oh, it is real, but we're going to lose these guys unless something happens. Oh, well, then it's okay to to fake. And then then once you've done that, if you've been caught, you then don't want that secret to... Just that sort of process of then it becoming about keeping your own position rather than whatever the original spiritual stuff was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So probably that that is the point of the the cynicism when actually, you know, these people are all following us and they've done this thing that we've asked them to do now. So why not let's sneak in some more things and maybe see if they'll give us all their worldly possessions. God, what was it about the sort of the 80s and 90s where there was a real sort of UFO cult thing yeah. really suddenly came... I, re- I really don't know enough about history for it, but I guess it was like after after all the various big wars that had happened and then all the like post-Vietnam for the Americans and Canadian people and maybe just coming out of the hippie movement and stuff, I guess, and... Yeah, it's just interesting, isn't it, that, that and... those ideas, particularly of sort of apocalypse and UFOs and stuff, feels like the some... 80s and 90s. I wonder what's happening fine. now. I wonder what in 10 years we're going to find out what weird shit that's happening now in all this political up- unrest. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. It's interesting about the sort of the, the mix between sort of Nazism and I'm sure there'll be other sort of Nazi occult cults as we keep talking, but that seems like damn white people <laughs> <laughs> just because i'm thinking that's likely you know in terms of what's going around at the moment with the rise of sort of the far right groups at the yeah. moment a lot of that's tied into quite sort of a very distinct kind of racist interpretation of sort of pagan isolated European sort of groups. groups yeah jeez so that's that's that. a depressing we got to an even we found <laughs> the even more depressing note that we could uh, start at you know, mass to. murder end up with Nazis that still exist and they Eclipse. are fixed. Because even the Nazis themselves had all that occult stuff and they were going to go and find the spear of destiny that had pierced Christ's side and they were going to find the UFOs. That the, I'm slightly paraphrasing now because I don't know how well I remember all of this, but they were going to find UFOs at the hole at the North or South Pole or something. They were sort of the top levels. They yeah. had that weird occult interest even though to the outside it was all very sort of christian and freaky yeah very freaky so that that's episode one well thanks sam good good research uh good start so i did all the research this week it's your turn next week what are we going to be hearing about oh is it a surprise it's a surprise okay i'm excited several possibilities but yeah i'll let you know okay and that's our first episode. Thank you so much for listening. You, if you want to speak to us in some way, you can find us on Twitter or you can send us an email. So on Twitter, we are at Coffee and Cults. And if you want to send us an email, that is coffeeandcults at gmail.com. 
Uh, we'd love to know what you think. Uh, we'd love to know any information you have about the groups we've talked about, or if you want to signpost us to groups that we should talk about in future weeks and months, we'd love to hear from you. And especially if you've been involved with or you've had connections to any of the groups that we talk about, we are dangerously obsessed and would love any more information so please do drop us a line uh, otherwise we hope to see you again next time please subscribe to us on itunes and or stitcher or your various other podcast application wherever you find your podcasts we will hopefully be there but thank you all very much for listening i hope you're there and i hope you enjoyed it thank you john we're off to go and uh, stare in awe at some swords and buy some canned goods and we'll see you again next time. Ropes. <laughs> Bye. Bye.